Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? All right, hello everyone and welcome to an extremely festive yet extremely out of date uh, episode of Glee. Glee. Aggressive. Aggressive. My name is Karina Stokes. My name is Ian Brodsky. Um, Karina, do you want to introduce our returning champion guest today? I was also going to say returning champion, as this this is somehow a competition, and she has won. Um, she, I mean, truly backed by popular demand. We have gotten write-ins about having true. This, the, this wonderful person return to our show. You asked, we answered. Please welcome back uh, the internet's own rascal. Hello, it's Woo! me. Uh, you um, all wanted two-hour episodes, so I am here <laughs> to serve. This is a threat. <laughs> <laughs> I just, if you scroll through the Glee Aggressive listing on Spotify, you'll see all of the episode runtimes. It's like 48 minutes, an hour and five minutes, an hour, and then you hit my episodes and it's like an hour and 45 minutes. Well, we'll see, because this episode has, well, there's almost nothing about this that I imagine you can connect to the Chinese Exclusion Act. That's true. We'll there are see. very few so opportunities to talk about the Chinese Exclusion out. Act. There's only one Asian that gets any significant screen time, and it's Darren Chris who's playing a white guy. So Yeah. Right. Um, and I texted you both now, but and this is kind of related to like the Glee Aggressive like um like uh podcast feed. But through the like just checking out our, our podcast page on Apple Podcasts, um it, I scroll down, it goes to you might also like Glee Boot. But mm-hmm. then at the end of Glee Boot, it says you might also like, and here's what you really missed, the podcast with uh, Kevin McHale and Jenna Oshkowitz. Yes. And next to that is My Favorite Murder. That, <laughs> so what you're saying is we give off the vibe of two white ladies discussing trauma. Honestly, I'll take it. I, you know. I just have I, I take that as a compliment. Because I was getting wee nightmares, and now I don't listen to it because... Uh, have weird feelings about profiting off of uh, crime. Okay. The true crime. Sure. The true crime genre is so good and so interesting and also so problematic. Yeah. Never, if you've ever, if you're like me and you've Googled true crime, no murder, um, <laughs> <laughs> there there are no results. No, that's how I ended up listening to the whole podcast about Nexium. So. Oh, that's a you g- mean the one about the dude that went to my high exactly. school? Yes. Nexium is our new uh, Kate Bush. <laughs> We're going to just mention <laughs> Nexium in every episode. You know, I support it. <laughs> uh, also, speaking of which, bringing it all the way back, uh, last time Rascal was on the show was the first time we mentioned Kate Bush. So. I know. Uh, yeah, that was wow. You're welcome, day. nerds. It's all, it's all coming back to us now. The Chinese Exclusion Act, Kate Bush, and now Celine Dion. Dion. <laughs> um... Hey, anyway hey has anyone ever seen the movie love actually oh yes god i've never watched that movie oh my god you've never seen love no, actually i haven't oh okay and like i we guess should it watch just, it I, it feels you should yeah i and so here's the thing this movie has nothing to do with love actually i find um this episode i mean like very little yeah almost it's this just episode. A, it's, it's just format, a bunch of right? stories because it's vignettes in a way right 
Um, but like in the movie of Love Actually, like they they weave them all together like piece by piece, and of course you can do that yeah. with a ninety minute movie. Yeah. And they interact um, a little bit but, in Love Actually. They don't do yeah. that here. Um, they don't here. But Love Actually is probably my favorite Christmas movie now. Not uh, like, Christmas I'm excited to hear about this. Um, I mean, like, I don't really have much to say about it. Again, like, I'm Jewish. I didn't grow up right. with a whole lot of Christmas movies until, like, I, I only saw Love Actually for the first time last year, or maybe 2021. Okay. But, like, within the past couple years, love it. Um, start, like, watch that again this Christmas. But until then, my favorite Christmas movie was Polar Express. Why? Because <laughs> I love chaos, apparently. So... <laughs> Polar Express does have the absolute banger of the hot chocolate song. It also has the absolute banger of when Christmas comes to town and the ending song with Josh Groban going like children singing. This is just an excuse for me to talk about the haunted tunes and Josh Groban impressions of the Polar Express, but we're not here to talk about that Ian's today. I don't even know if we Polar Express show. I, I, I which I've never seen it. actually. So this has been this has been great Polar for me. Express, I feel like I just saw it. Polar Express has an unfortunate <laughs> face problem. Like yeah. the the animation technology gives very uncanny valley Tom Hanks. Also, yes. for some reason Tom Hanks plays like every character. Right. Like it's Tom Hanks featuring Tom Hanks starring tom hanks and introducing tom hanks yeah. oh okay so when folks at the library asked me for the polar express with tom hanks they really mean there is no room tom for a doubt he yeah. is in that film <laughs> okay. tom hanks well, as the polar express i'm learning about the polar christmas. express something i didn't expect to happen in this episode <laughs> well it's it's christmas time this, this is my chinese exclusion act um, <laughs> It is Christmas time. It's not. That's true. It's I am I am actually wearing right now a Christmas themed well, shirt. Um, nice. They are they are Jim Jams, yeah, but uh, very comfortable ones. But yeah, I guess I guess I know about the Polar Express now. I yeah. did. Karina asked me, "Is there a particular episode that you would like to be on?" We've kind of we've run out of Asian stuff because they stopped giving Jen Ashkowitz anything to do, and they graduated and Mike they Chang. Graduated so. Mike Chang. Um, right. And so I looked at the list and I said. Okay, well, this one looks like it might have some disability advocacy stuff that I could talk about a little bit, which, woof, it sure does. Uh, <laughs> but also, it seems like a good backdoor for me to just talk about Love Actually. Yeah. Um, yes. Because I, like, in terms of the movie, I think it, like, artistically, it's unimpeachably an excellent movie. Like, the talent is unmistakable. The whole the whole construction of it is really good. It just like works on a really artistic level. In terms of an enjoyable movie to watch, I think it's fun. I like it. I like definitely. There's some storylines that are uncomfortable, but uh, like they would be uncomfortable in real life. But sometimes things happen in fiction that would be uncomfortable in real life that are okay in fiction. Mm. But what I love more than the movie, uh, which which I like fine. I like I, I'm like yeah love actually I'd watch that again it's a really good movie uh what I love is love actually discourse <laughs> because every single year really? the internet yeah. is overtaken by hot takes about love actually and how problematic it is and half of them are like yeah it's a solid point and half of them are the most batshit thing I've ever read and I love all of it it's so low stakes I just read it all and and like like a little gremlin and and just absorb everybody's rage about this one movie starring every beloved uh British actor from Yeah, the including past my old decades. friend Kira Knightley. Yeah. Yeah. 
Can you give us an example of like each of those, like the like the stupid ones and the actual good point? Like because like I'm so new to the movie that I just don't know about the discourse. Well, the actual good points are there are a lot of moments in the movie that are played specifically to be like the height of romance um, that don't come across that way to, I would say, the majority of the audience. Um, Mm. You know, and there is something to be said for things can happen in fiction that are not uh, that are not healthy in real life. But Colin Firth marrying a woman with whom he was unable to have a conversation is like generally people's reaction to that is what furthermore she worked for him she was mm, his employee that's the one i've heard i've heard um, about and so sure. uh, like i agree that it's kind of an uncomfortable storyline maybe you should be able to talk to the person before you marry them uh it's uh it's uncomfortable because she works for him it's there's a there's a lot of like funny stuff in the storyline that that does hit but the storyline itself just doesn't um as for the bad shit ones i remember a i remember a twitter thread uh that was somebody saying this isn't the most batshit thing probably but it's the one that comes to mind somebody saying that the movie is basically ruined because it it uh glorifies cheating mm. because of alan rickman's storyline and i was just sitting there going tell oh. me what's glorifying about about that storyline did the movie just right. show cheating and you're calling that glorifying? Or do you think that we were supposed to not be on Emma Thompson's side? Right. Sometimes. Yeah, I feel like... <laughs> sometimes people forget that movie isn't real life. That sometimes, movie is movie. Right. Sometimes people and... forget that movie isn't real life. And sometimes things happen in movie that are bad. Yeah. Sometimes people don't do good things. And I also think people forget that nothing perfect... Poe body's nerfect. Yeah, Poe body's nerfect. Everything's gonna have a problem with it in some way, shape, or form. So maybe just enjoy the movie. Movies have to only show good <clears throat> things happening to good people. So if yeah, someone copies, people. so if someone copies the movie, it's not the movie's fault. Yeah. Right. So it's it's my favorite. It's my favorite time of year. Not because of the holidays, because <laughs> the love actually discourse comes back around. I will also say. I think Love Actually has unquestionably been a net good for humanity because mm-hmm. it did give us my favorite episode of Bob's Burgers. That's fair. The way Which Ian's episode? face just lit up when I said that. <laughs> the episode is called Bob Actually. Yeah. It's got like five different interconnected storylines. Um, it's a beautiful uh, episode because it takes the premise of Love Actually and makes it better um, because Love Actually is like a long movie it's got a lot going on not all of it is compelling every single storyline in bob actually is compelling <laughs> and of it only has it a 20 minute runtime. the creators of bob's burgers know what the fuck they're doing oh my True. god and I that being anyone... said we are we are still talking about Glee. yeah this is a this is well, a Glee podcast. here's the thing yes we are talking about season four episode 10 glee actually i don't think yes. we've actually mentioned the episode nope, title yet and we're 10 we minutes haven't. in um, so yes, season four, episode ten, Glee actually originally aired December thirteenth, two thousand twelve. So, yes, Glee actually the the conceit of this is has nothing to do with the plot of Love Actually. It's just that they were like, what if we have what is it like five different storylines? Five storylines. We won't weave them together at three, all. Three, four, five. Barely. Five storylines, and sort of at the end, that they will look at each other. 
They all stand in the room and that's, kind of make eye it. contact. But yeah, like acknowledge each other's presence, but not actually converse. My thing is, um, they could have weaved them together. Um, yeah. A lot of these, like, given the timing, it's a little weird, but they could have changed the timing. And a lot of these would have worked. There's a lot of moments where it's like, oh, we're in the hallway. We could just pan over and see what this other storyline is doing. Yeah. And it would have felt really cohesive. I mean, no. it would have felt exactly. cohesive at all. Yeah, we're not going to do that, though. Yeah, um, it does not feel that right. way. Instead, instead, we open up on a, a somewhat meta Sue in her uh, entering into her journal yes. uh, moment where um, it's that time of year again where we pay uh, folks to have our kids sit on a man's weirdly hot lap. Um, yep. And you get uh, basically she spells out what the episode is going to be for us, which I appreciate. So it's going to be five plot lines broken up by commercial breaks that come together in the end like that movie Love Actually. I thought that was going to be, like, I thought this was going to be the start of something really clever and witty and funny, and it was fucking not. <laughs> it really was I don't know why I got my, they, I don't know why I got my expectations. just had her say it and then didn't really do it. Although, her getting in on the Love Actually discourse by saying, I, a movie I don't think anybody really enjoys, but it's always on cable. I was like, oh, already, this is, this is tapping into everything that I love about <laughs> Love Actually. Let's talk about Artie. Let's okay, talk about Artie. Let's talk so about gl- the episode. Yes. Uh, so Glee also like the the uh, thing had the the logo. The title card has Christmas lights on it. Yes. Fun. It's how you know it's Christmas. Yes. So Artie, um, he we see him. He has been. Oh, it looks like he's been beaten up. Um, but that's not the case. Enter Finn. Artie fell. His wheel his wheelchair slipped backwards on the ramp. Um, and he fell on the ice because the janitors didn't put salt on the ramp today and. He had to be helped up by, uh, like, I guess some freshman girls. Yeah, um, I mean, that's actually quite negligent from the school. And he yeah. probably could uh, really get someone in trouble if he felt so inclined. And also right. very typical of many public institutions in the United States. Yes. The fact that they have a ramp is, I mean, good for them. Well, they, they had to, the Glee Club is the one who raised money to get the wheelchair oh, yeah. accessible yeah. Uh, auditorium. That's right. so. yeah. And functionally, right now, they don't have a ramp, so... No. Yeah, it's true. Right. Um, so, uh, Finn, bring, Finn brings him to the nurse's office. Um, the nurse calls Artie's mom, and Artie basically just goes on this rant of how he's tired of everyone pitying him. He's tired of being in this chair. And Finn's like, man, you just need to rest. Go get some sleep. And off he goes into sleep. And here we have our first plot line, which is basically a, um, a, an It's a mm-hmm. Wonderful Life map. Yes. And I thought this was what the episode was going to be. I thought it was going to be, like, five plot lines. Well, I thought it was going to be, like, if we're doing five plot lines, like, pick five Christmas movies, because everybody knows Christmas movies, of course, except me. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, that's what that would be, and they would somehow weave them together. Again, I don't know why I let my expectations happen. <laughs> no, Artie's I, the only one. I started out mad because the nurse says, mm, it looks like you've hit your head pretty bad, implying <laughs> perhaps a concussion, right? Go lay down. Terrible advice. Yeah. You're very much not supposed to let people with concussions, potentially concussions, uh, go to sleep. Probably because if you let them go to sleep, they drift off and have It's a Wonderful Life-based fantasies. I guess. Which, and, and frankly, if she could have saved us from that, yeah. uh, the whole the whole episode might have been better. So yes, Artie is like, drifts off to sleep going like, wish I was never in this stupid chair. And then... <laughs> okay. This plot line is so bananas. 
here, first question. How come when Artie, in, in a timeline where Artie was never uh, paralyzed, he also doesn't need glasses? Right. And everything is in black and white. Yes. I, I get that. It's, it's a wonderful life, whatever. But Artie's, somehow, Artie's ability to walk is also tied with his ability to see. He broke yes. his eyes in that car crash. Yes. His... Yeah. Artie <laughs> wakes up without glasses bit. and it's never acknowledged. Right. No, he does, he does like, reach up and, like, tap his face looking for them. Right. Um, oh, he has a I bit of a that. Spider-Man moment. Yeah, he does it a la Peter Parker where he's like, my glasses. But it does not explain, <laughs> like... Did he just get contacts because he's cool now, or did did the not getting into whatever? Uh, <laughs> and what what would have prevented him from getting contacts when he was? <laughs> There's in, nothing now. It's because the the eye doctor's like, mm, sorry, these are for cool kids. <laughs> no, obviously it's the fact that he's in a wheelchair that he goes to the eye doctor and he said, "I'm sorry, I can't look you in the eyes from this level, so you oh, cannot no. get contacts." Uh, and apparently. His car crash is also directly tied to Tina not being able to stutter. Okay, and hold on, we'll get hold to on. it. Okay, first of all, Rory's here. Rory's here, which was this... a surprise to me. I don't know Rory. <laughs> this is this is one of the episodes that I watched completely without context, and the last one that I watched, Rory also wasn't in. This is also the first episode, by the way, that I watched for the first time while not playing Hades. Oh, oh, so I was playing. Full experience. I was playing the new Fire Emblem, but I did watch mm. it again so I could take notes. And so when Rory showed up, he he showed up, to, and I was just like, "Why does why does Artie have like this rando show up? Who is and this?" Right, Rascal. I wish we could be like, yeah, this is like a significant callback. This has deep ties to Artie's relationship with Rory from when he was an exchange student there from Ireland, and they were both outcasts, and they bonded over not belonging. But no, this nope. is just Ryan Murphy saying "fuck you" to Rory and "fuck you" to Quinn. It turns out, yeah, like there is no reason for Rory to be here except to be Irish. Okay, so it is completely. I wondered if he had died. No, he just no. isn't on the no. show Deported. anymore. He's just, uh, so basically died. He went to the Shadow Realm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He went to a lovely glee club upstate. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Okay. I mean, we should and, go, we should go like beat by beat, but I, yes. I should preface this by saying that I started watching the episode for the first time and then I messaged Karina and said, I, this is the worst episode of television that I've seen since that episode of Doctor Who that made everybody stop watching. Um, and it was because I was like halfway through this plot line and I was like, I, I am going to go to Ryan Murphy's house with a baseball bat. And then I thought, oh, he probably didn't write this. <laughs> RB's yeah. fight. Club. RB's fight. Yes. RB's yeah, fight. He's club. invited. It was, it, it, it made me so angry to watch this, to, to watch this storyline because the whole, the whole premise of it is, you know, you should be grateful for what you have because if you hadn't had this life-changing event, all your friends' lives would be really shitty. You owe it to them to be their inspiration. All I could think was like, you're right, we could go beat by beat, but also you just summed up this whole fucking plotline because <laughs> I do want to like, go beat by beat though, because there's some yeah. I mean like what's to go here? beat by beat though? Like Well, it's, like like we it's can, like it go on. We can start with like, I think it's it's important to note. There's some that are like uh, you would expect, like, oh, all the jocks are still mean. B 
because right. they never were like touched by the word of a song. Um, oh yeah, because Glee Club doesn't exist to be clear. Right. right, that's the thing. Artie was the glue of Glee Club, so Tina never became friends with Artie. So she's still like faking a stutter. The ones that hit me um, were, and this is word for word, Becky's the school slut now. Yes, because Artie never showed her respect. I uh, which have a whole says, paragraph. <laughs> yeah, I it, well, makes, it's one it makes no sense. It's one run-on sentence. I wrote, the idea that Becky became the school slut because she never learned self-respect is offensive on so many different axes because it paints people with developmental disabilities as fully helpless while also ignoring the staggeringly high rape statistics for that population. It implies that any promiscuous woman just doesn't have self-respect. It implies that teen pregnancy is a sad result of low self-esteem. And it implies that Artie, by virtue of his baseline decency, is responsible for saving a soul because Becky would never have a hand in any of her own actions. Which, like, I can't, I can't believe that there's, like, six, you'd think that at least one of them would hit okay, but none of them do. They have managed to, on every possible level, craft the worst possible take. And I'm gonna immediately undercut your incredibly thought, well thought out and academic take by saying, if he's a jock and she's a cheerleader, you think they would just get along because that's, like, high school stereotypes. And, like there would be a respect level regardless because it's not like Quinn never had no self-respect. She she just kind of made some shitty decisions. Yeah, Quinn made Quinn made like shitty decisions and she was also the queen bee of the high school. Becky is still a cheerleader. And, and speaking of Quinn, in this plot like in this plot line, according to Rory, Quinn would have died irregardlessly. Of whatever happened, because she texts and drives in every p- timeline, which is, to me, the only way, like, just the biggest way Ryan Murphy could have given Diana Agron the middle finger in this episode. Because there's just an empty wheelchair at the end of a hallway with a rose on it, lit up like the fucking Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> as if to say, yeah, remember Quinn? She's still dead. Bummer, I mean, she's dude. not dead now. She she lived. The reason she, she died is the same reason that Padme died in uh, Revenge of the Sith. She died of a broken heart. Yeah. Her spirit never recovered. And it's because she never had Artie in the wheelchair to show her how great life can be in a wheelchair so that yeah. they can sing I'm Still Standing. See, um, Quinn can't be in a chair. Quinn would die if she was in a chair because yeah. it's that bad. That's why she's Artie so has to be in a chair. We also have, um, because the Glee Club didn't take off because Artie was never in a wheelchair, uh, Will Schuster is an alcoholic and is still married to Terry, who still has a fake baby, um, but he's too much of an alcoholic to notice that his baby yeah. is a doll. That's one of those jokes where, and there were many times in this episode, and even the past couple of seasons where I've said this, that's a joke that would have been funny if it was on Community. Because yeah. Community has a really consistent tone, and it, they can present batshit things in a way that makes it clear within the context that it is very funny. Um, mm-hmm. And like that, like what parts we are intended to laugh at. I do think that Terry carrying around a baby, like a, a doll, is objectively very funny, it, as a continuation of Will clearly having no idea what pregnancy is. But 
Right. In the context, like, how seriously are we supposed to take this? Is that the same Will Schuster that was driving his, his students to their prenatal appointments? Or is it the same Will Schuster that was, like, bumbling uh, during uh, when Rachel had a crush on him? Like, how seriously are we ever supposed to take any of these storylines? Um, also, Will said, I couldn't get the Glee Club off the ground because not enough of you brats would sign up. But we know that he would have just planted drugs on them and gotten them all into the glee club anyway so frankly especially if he's that kind of level of alcoholic he probably would have just drunkenly like planted three different drugs in three different lockers or whatever yeah the good news is everything you said uh was the extent of my notes so (laughs) excellent Um, including the the drug planting yes i just want like um, i feel like we should make a shirt that just says quinn texts and drives in every timeline quinn texts and drives in every timeline But in all the other timelines, she didn't have her disabled friend to be inspirational. There's nothing that can stop Gwen Um, Bray from texting and driving. Right. (laughs) She's consistent. Yeah. Um, Also, Rachel's a a librarian in this. Um, I don't know what makes her a librarian. What what about Rachel Um, Berry? Glasses and a blouse? Even without stardom, I don't feel like the next step for Rachel Berry would be a high school librarian. Yeah, that's a buck wild. I feel like there are a few steps in the narcissism scale between, like, Broadway star and librarian, but seeing as that we have literally both ends of that spectrum on this call, I don't know what they are. (laughs) (laughs) True. Well, also, like, unless it's not a very well... Well, like, typically to be a high school librarian, Rachel would need two degrees she would need a yes. teaching degree and a master's degree and she doesn't look like she's had time to get either no because so, it's the same time as yeah uh, as before so she's just fresh out of high school and they just let her in the library although i guess given the caliber of their teachers perhaps they hired they a guy who doesn't have... speak spanish to i mean be the spanish teacher that's given, true that and given that finn in quote-unquote real life runs the glee club fresh out of high school he's not getting paid not for that a, though also, Maybe she's a volunteer also, librarian. I just realized Finn is we don't talk about this, but Finn is still in school in this timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Like they explain why Kurt is so, yeah. but they don't explain why Finn is. He just That's keeps putting point. on the varsity jacket and hanging out. Yeah. Because he peaked in high school. They never explain it. But we know that's the truth. Actually, I think Mike Chang was there also. Right. Mike Chang was there. He was. And Puck. Well, Puck yeah, makes nobody... sense because without without the um, without, without the, the Glee Club, club he would have never yeah. uh, passed his geography final. Where the yeah, you know, I right. Think, I think nobody graduated. Where they sing the rain in Spain. Yes, the, <laughs> the only people to have graduated was Rachel and presumably Mercedes and Santana because they couldn't get right. Naya there. Rivera and uh, Amber Riley to come in that day. But Harry Shum Jr. was like, "Yeah, I'm on set. I'm available." Yeah. And she, she, she's still doing her community production of The Music Man. Um, but she's not so, even playing Marion the Librarian. No, much to that, because that's for, because that's for a that's, lead. She's a townsperson. And on top of that, like Emma is off in Hawaii, married to uh, Ken. Uh, remember Ken? Mm-hmm. And also, Kurt never graduated because he was homeschooled, but only went to school so much because he was bullied and never graduated. Um, because he couldn't keep up with the education. So now he's just back in school still being bullied. Yeah, um, and there's a really dramatic shot where Artie asks about Blaine, and Kurt turns and says, Who's Blaine? Who's Blaine? 
so like this is also like glee revisionist history because yeah so many episodes we talked about it here have been about finn having to be the glue of glee club so i call bullshit on them being like no Artie, you were the glue and it's like you 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 never give this guy like you haven't given this guy a plot line since like what season two or like season three early when he was the shitty director of uh <laughs> West Side, West Side yes, Story, I West guess. Side Story. And I am open to the fact that this is Artie's dream. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of revisions. Like, true. If Artie, Artie is dreaming like, sure. and he's like, oh no, Rachel would have been a librarian if I was never in this chair. Like, that's a funny take. The problem is, Glee never actually takes it there. It's right. like so many things in Glee, we have no idea how seriously we are supposed to take this because they don't actually contextualize it for us. And right. frequently, like with uh, Tina's whole dream sequence where she body swapped with Rachel, we were supposed to take that deadly seriously as like, this is a deeply meaningful experience for her and it's definitely going to come to fruition and we're not yeah. going to keep sidelining just Jen Oskowitz. Um, I mean, that obviously didn't happen, but we were supposed to take that seriously. So how seriously are we supposed to take this dream sequence? We don't right. know. Yeah. And I feel like also part of it is like, we're not actually truly experiencing like Artie's point of view we're experiencing like a messy show pretending to be like funny like I feel like they failed on making this about Artie yes instead they've they've made it about like they've made they've made about all the disgusting points that you brought up earlier as as with every Artie plotline it's not about Artie it's about how inconvenient slash inspirational he is to the people around him right mm-hmm uh he sings a song though oh, oh yeah he, he does oh, man i forgot about a that. really culturally insensitive version of Feliz navidad and the um, problem is that I, I thought he did a great fucking job with it. It oh, is so great did, to yeah, see. He did. Fantastic. Kevin McHale is a very talented performer. Kevin McHale, he, did a, he did a fantastic performance. It was he, incredible. He was dancing around. Like, it was it was really, really good. Um, <laughs> I did, at the end, yeah. uh, Finn, Finn at, like, as soon as, as soon as he's done, Finn goes, that was so gay. Right. And I was like, I mean, Finn is correct, but True. I, I also thought it that was so gay parentheses affectionate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like it it was a great performance. It's just the when he when he gets like a poncho and maracas from Rory, that's when I was like, Oh, Uh-oh. so we've really we've this... really rounded the corner, haven't we? I did I did also write weird that the culturally insensitive musical number isn't more of a draw for Will. I was right? going to say, the sad thing is this isn't even the first time we've had a culturally insensitive musical number in Spanish class, or around Spanish <laughs> class, yes. or the Spanish language, at least. My favorite part, um, in this alternate timeline where there is no glee, the band is still ready, willing, and just as talented as before. Oh, the band seems- is, is, goes beyond dimensions, goes beyond the space and time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he wakes up, um, he's learned his lesson, I guess. And um, he is then. The lesson fully... is to accept help sometimes. I right. guess. I, well, and I also there was a bit of this that stuck the ending because he didn't say, oh, "I'm so glad I'm in the chair again," or "I'm so happy you're all okay." He said, "This chair is part of me, and mm-hmm. it made me who I am," and that yes. is a good lesson to take from it. Like it is okay for you to have days where you're like, "I wish I wasn't in this fucking chair." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but. 
it is important from a personal growth perspective to also be able to say this is a part of who I am and I like myself you know I'm glad that I I'm glad that I am the person that I am uh none of the none of the dream sequence did that no the dream sequence didn't talk about Artie at all it didn't talk about how's Artie's life different since he can walk he was never in that car accident How's Artie's life different because he's playing football, even though he's a super scrawny nerd still? Maybe right. he's the kicker. Yeah. Oh, he must be the kicker. He's so like, Kurt's not the kicker. What right. changed for Artie? And was Artie's life measurably better or worse? Or did he just have different problems? Like, it could have it really gone into that. But instead, it made deeply slut-shaming jokes about Becky Jackson? Johnson? Yeah. What's her name? I don't Jackson, know. Jackson, you were right the Jackson. first time. Um, and... Uh, had Terry carrying around a baby doll. Right. Correct. Um, to end this uh, dream sequence, or this this Love Actually plot, I will point out that Artie is wearing a sweater that has this, a dog sledding scene. Sweater uh, watch! Into it. Yes. <laughs> I love sweater watch. Can we, we need merch for the sweater watch. We just need a sweater for the sweater watch. Yeah. And um, just a sweater that says sweater watch on it. Exactly. Hashtag sweater watch. Hashtag sweater, sweater watch. watch. Um... Welcome back, Sweater Watch. And to end it off, um, he is cradled by Finn back into his chair, and that was hilariously adorable. Yeah, I did, like, it was nice that he was able to look at Finn and say, I could use some help. Um, yeah. I do and, like, not... fully, like, arms around the neck. Yeah. Like, yeah. like my, my seven-year-old child. I do not buy, start to finish, that Artie cannot get in and out of his chair by himself. Like, I think that even falling on the sidewalk is something that he, at this point, I mean, definitely yeah. there are always going to be times where, like, you just need assistance. You do not have right. the same mobility as a fully abled person. But uh, I think that Artie, Artie has clearly shown competency enough to get, like, in and out of a in bed and, and into his chair. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he definitely could have gotten. And I think they were leading up to him, like, transferring himself out of his chair onto the nurse's table. Um, I guess... But Finn intercepted the first right. time. And I guess it's him getting put back in his chair by Finn is supposed to be, like, symbolic or whatever of him being like, yeah. it's okay to accept help sometimes, which wasn't the message that we talked about in the dream <laughs> it sequence. It wasn't the message. So yeah, they didn't they didn't put the ending message into the actual dream sequence. We were just, we, that was a different, that, the dream sequence things. was unrelated. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I hated this plot line. I disgusts me that as always they're taking their disabled character and saying it's your job to be inspirational to abled people uh and you don't have anything outside of that um and also uh the idea that quinn died of a broken heart is like it's so quinn texts and drives in every timeline <laughs> she texts and drives in every shirt. timeline and she dies of a broken heart like padme amidala and <laughs> i wish like, I wish I knew if they were joking. What? Are, I don't think they are. Like, what a shitty way to write off a character that just clearly didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah, she's dead. It's, there's one, nothing funnier to me than Quinn Texan driving every timeline already. <laughs> anyway, we, we have our second plot line. Let's go to New York City. Let's yeah. go to New York so City. So the thing is, with the first plot being what it was, it does kind of make the rest of them much more palatable. 
because yes absolutely sure. going from that to this i was like this storyline rocks <laughs> that's fair i don't know if it does or not but i loved all of it it's definitely um, better it has let's talk about this fact of... rachel's packing because for christmas her and her two gay dads are going on the rosie o'donnell gay cruise with a jesse tyler ferguson lookalike contest off the bat oh. just bananas premise <laughs> I, that we don't I, even get a payoff for it's just like I explaining away rachel insane which I do, gay I do like I do respect that very much. Where they were like, Rachel's not going to be here for this plot line, so let's give her something unhinged to say. And they they went to their grab bag of words and they pulled out like <laughs> the, the most their refrigerator thing. magnets. Yeah. I did say Rachel's holiday plans sound like the worst, not because that doesn't sound like a great time, but because everything everything about the way that she said it made me go imagine being on that cruise with rachel berry well yeah, yeah it reminded me of um when we were talking about that episode where we meet her dads for the first time and yeah. like karina was saying in that episode where it feels like uh the hummels have been taken hostage it's that on a cruise ship it's that on like- a cruise ship somehow the berry family takes everybody on that cruise cruise hostage so that they can sing more show yeah. tunes. Oh my it's God. gonna Absolutely. be a it's gonna be a don't make me sing moment every night on that yeah. cruise, and Not it's even... it's gotta be full of folks like them, like the mm-hmm. berries. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like sounds like a terrible time. Yep. <sighs> Good for them. Terrible for us. And Kurt's response was, "Oh well, in that case, I'll definitely have to pass." Good yeah. for you, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Good but, for Kurt. But guess what? Kurt's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna stay in New York. It's fine. You know, I'll just have time to myself." And then there's a knock on the door, and who could it be? It's Bert. It's Bert. I was surprisingly happy to see him because I thought this was going to be the Love Actually mapping plotline where it's he opens the door and it's Blaine with like mm-hmm. the cards, with the like cards. That famous oh scene. god! Yeah. I thought it was going to be that, and I was like getting ready for it to be like super saccharin. But no, it was Bert. I was happy to see him. Um, he shows up with a Christmas tree. Um, we get this like cute little background story of how his mom always got the tree, but the year that she passed away, um, Bert forgot. So they uh, ended up getting one, and he Kurt was happy again. That was the first time he smiled since his mom passed away. He he hung up like his mom's perfume bottle and, and yeah. like as an ornament. Yeah. It's it and was his dad all brought like all the so ornaments from their house. Yeah, to decorate the to... tree. Yeah, it's it's so wildly heartwarming yeah. that I was like, this it's is yep, really beautiful. There was if you a want... line that made me mm-hmm. go, oh, the writing here is which one coming from a screenwriter. Uh, it's when Kurt says, "Hey, no tears on Christmas Eve. This <laughs> box is also full of happy memories." And <laughs> Thank I was you, like, Hallmark. that mm-hmm. that line, I could see it working from some characters. It never should have come out of Kurt's mouth. And it's not something like it's just not something that he would say in this no. or any context. And it was like it felt very much like Chris Colford also just had no direction on how to deliver the line because he was like trying so hard that there was nothing that could make it sound natural. Also, Bert like gets them a gift and it's just like this regular ass sparky re- sparkly red ornament. And they're like, no, it's an apple. It is. an Oh, apple. Yeah. Oh, I just thought it was like, here's another ball for your tree. No, it's, I... it's an apple. Okay, and so it's, big it's apple. their first Christmas okay. in the big apple. Sure, yeah. right. Okay, cool. That's on me. Never mind. <laughs> I it would be apple... much funnier if he, if he was just like, 
here's an orb. Yeah. <laughs> I have Apple Christmas ornaments, uh, at, or my parents do, that have been since like before I was born. And I don't think that there is... I don't think there is any significance to them. So I just saw an apple and I thought a normal thing to hang on the tree. <laughs> it didn't occur to me until you just said it just now that it's because they were in the big apple. So somehow <laughs> both of you managed to miss the significance, the very sweet significance of, of Bert's Christmas gift to the to the Hummelberry house. I thought he was just getting them a Christmas ornament, a normal Christmas ornament that is an apple. One point Karina. <laughs> Wow, um, okay, that's actually the funniest thing of this whole episode now. <laughs> um, well, don't get too comfortable, because immediately we go to them walking down the street, they've seen the Rockettes, that's great, and then they get hot chocolate, and here we get the news that Bert has prostate cancer. Okay, w- what the but fuck? it's like, it's like, I have prostate cancer, but it's the, it's the okay kind, so this, it's like, here's a sad thing, but not too sad, because it's the... It's the okay. It's the right. easy kind of prostate cancer. Right. This needed its own episode. Yes. yes. It needed to not be a tiny plot line because we get the news and then Kurt's, like, the conclusion of Kurt's processing in about 15 seconds. Yeah. Um, right. The fact that they just dropped this in as part of a yeah. vignette in a Christmas like, episode. Is it gonna keep? Is it going to keep being an issue for him that he has prostate cancer that he's getting treatment for? Or is this just a one-off thing? for the Christmas episode. Neither of those is a good answer, because if it's the former, it needed its uh, its own episode. It needed right. room to breathe. And if it's the latter, don't do it. Don't just have him have prostate cancer for Christmas. I think, if I'm recalling correctly, it's sort of in between the two, where he does not just have prostate cancer for Christmas. It's But it's not something that ever gets a lot of focus. Like, sometimes Kurt's like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna... Like, it comes up from time to time. But it's just uh, but not something that not really anything, has to deal with. No, because it, it's the easy prostate cancer, which the show tries to explain away by being like, we caught it early, it's right. 100% cure. In which case, I'm like, why not just give him, if you need to have something wrong with Bert, why go to cancer? Right. If you're going to have it be explainable cancer. Right. And, or, and like, if you're going to have, if you need something to be wrong with Bert, then why like is yeah. it is it it's it's for kurt to react to obviously because bird is right. his father and kurt's are one of our main characters so what's kurt's response supposed to be because you gave him like 30 seconds before shunting him on to the next scene truly you just needed they needed an excuse for bert to be able to say like it's so important to be with the ones you love right which i feel like you didn't have to give him cancer to have him yeah like Glenn why not just to lay off bert Bert is the best character, the, the kindest and most pure character. If they need and to they're have... just like, heart attack, cancer, Congress. Honestly, the three... Uh... <laughs> the three genders. <laughs> the three yeah. main leading causes of death. Um, <laughs> if you needed him to just have the, like, it's so important to spend time with the ones you love, you could really just continue on being like, man, your mom sure did die. And it's, it's <laughs> yeah. important to remember that, that already like... already happened. Man. You already have a giant trauma event that you can just keep harping on. Multiple it's the trauma holidays, events. They're thinking, about, Kurt... they're thinking about the dead mom and just being like, isn't it important to remember that the time you have with people on this earth is limited? Which we know because your mom died. I mean, Kurt's you don't have trauma to have well is have far from dry. Yeah, yeah right? There's plenty of places they could have they drawn from. They did not need... Like, it just... It feels... It, it feels like too much in every possible respect. Correct. Right. 
Um, anyway, they're back at the loft. It's dark. I guess there's very little electricity in this loft. No, um, it's no, no. That's not what that is. That's gay mood lighting. That is never used the big light. That is Kurt saying only candles, no overheads. Okay, I guess I learned something today. Shit. That is that is that is purely for the aesthetic. I looked at that house full of candles and I said, "Ah, uh, yes, it's Christmas Eve. You can't turn on electricity. It's it's against the vibes." Okay, okay. Well, glad it's gay mood lighting because yes, Blaine's here. Blaine got yeah. blown out. Bert was yeah. like, "I got you a gift. It's your ex." <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will say. I will say to, not to defend. But if you, there is like an amount of context for this. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Which, yeah. which is like they called over Thanksgiving. They had this like heart to heart being like, I think it's really important for us to see and talk to each other during Christmas, Christmas break. Yeah. Because, you know, we're still, I, I miss you as a friend, if yeah. nothing else. I listen, I, I listen to your Thanksgiving episode. Okay, so I am caught up on that to that extent. So, um, but, and now Kurt can't go home because he's saving money for Niata. Yeah. Which I also appreciated them giving a throwaway reason why that was happening. I mean, and that makes sense, though. That's, like, a valid reason. Also, I do love that, like, Kurt's gift to his dad were, like, Niata swag. Like, oh, my God, yes. that was so cute. That's, like, that su- really and such cute. peak, like, supportive dad vibes yeah. as well. Like, my dad has a shit ton of new Paltz garb that he wears all the time because, I mean, both my mom and I went there, but, like, of Still. course, because, like, we went there. Um, yeah. it, it is cute. And there is something very heartwarming to me about the fact that Bert and Blaine are close. Yeah. Um, there's something in my like like young queer people heart where it's like having Blaine have like a slightly extended family of supported of supportive adults who are like specifically looking out for him is is really nice. Um and the like and you can't do better than Bert. I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um it's there's something equally nice in the fact that Blaine immediately says to Kurt, "Listen, your dad told me everything, and I'm gonna look out for him." Because uh, yeah, that is, I really liked that. That yeah. is an extent of sort of found family and chosen family of like, Kurt needs somebody that he trusts, like in in Lima right now. So there, yeah, there's something very sweet about it. You're correct. I'm just still laughing at like Merry Christmas. I got you at your ex. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it's so just fucking funny. That, like as somebody who is like current actively very good friends with my ex. Um, Same. If I if somebody had surprised me with him, like we broke up on totally amicable terms. It was a mutual agreement. We literally on the phone said, "Do you want to not?" Yeah, let's not. And then we were like finger guns, friends for life. <laughs> even then, even with that level of breakup, if he had showed up on my doorstep a few months later, I would have been like, mm. if if okay, but if his mom had called you and said, "I need you. I'm going to fly you out to show up because it's Christmas and this is a there's this situation happening." Would you have done it? Uh, I guess it really does depend on the situation. If his mom it, was like, I, I would have done it. cancer. Even if <laughs> in, in the circumstances in which I would have done it, which would have been dire, I would have hated it. Yes. I would have been like, hey man, I know this is weird. But also, Don't like, love that it's happening. But like you said, like, 
very different terms and conditions of the breakup as opposed yeah. to like this breakup where it was like clearly they loved each other but one of them really fucked up and the other one was like this was that's a messy it. breakup that yeah, was a messy, yeah. breakup. Was a messy breakup so like there's clearly like of course and of course we're giving everything about this show too much credit um like of course there's still something like left over that they still love each other like i get that yeah it's like it's really nice. trying to hammer down like that kurt and blaine uh destined to right. be together still love each yeah. other End their game. duets still sound amazing so yeah speaking of again which, they also sing a song which um, the, jazzy white the, christmas yeah they sing yeah. white christmas the sound on this i know that glee is always like this glee they you know it all they always sound crystal clear no matter where they're singing or what they are on an ice rink <laughs> in new york city and they sound like they are they are an inch away from one of those like old school radio mics. Yeah. Like yes. Blaine started singing and I thought that's weird that they're having somebody else sing this song <laughs> because it that's a good can't, point. it can't be where they are. Someone <laughs> needs to make one of those so videos. That's like funny actual sound where it's just this song, but undercut with like the, <laughs> the screeches of people and like of skating and the yeah. sound of children falling on their face. Like, <laughs> yes. Especially and the, the children falling on their face. It was and the so, dull roar of New York City behind. Like it sounded like it ought to have like the the kind of um, like um, like the scratchiness of a record almost over it because yeah. it sounded so like old school Christmas song. Whereas like it, it was just so completely. It made me laugh so much because I was like, I can't. I th- this sound this sounds insane to be it for, for being on an ice rink also well this is a question for you ian that you probably don't necessarily know the answer of is the skating rink at rockefeller center open at midnight on christmas eve can I you go there at, at all hours of the night i've never been i have no idea reasonable who would like would be i mean especially yeah like i don't know maybe it's just because i'm i'm from here but like I've, I've always avoided that area in the holiday season. And you're season. so smart to do so. Thank you. So yeah, no idea about the timing. My guess is that it closes probably around like 10, 10.30, especially on Christmas Eve. I guess I, I guess I could see it being open like you want to skate into Christmas Eve or whatever, but that sounds sure. awful. It does sound awful. Also, yeah. the, you, have to, you have to hire people to man the rank for that time yeah. too and that's asking people like you're asking people to work on christmas eve and i understand not everybody celebrates christmas but like that just feels like a shitty thing like even my day job closes at 6 p.m on christmas eve that's kind of them <laughs> yes yeah. how benevolent so and it's also only like 32 bars of a song so i'm like that's not enough right karina no it is not right this is this is not enough right um yeah they skate i did into- like I did like the like look of that Bert like gives like they they cut to Bert looking on just like happy to see his son happy yeah as it were yeah. the vibe I got was like this is the gift that Kurt actually gave to Bert is just like his son happy and thriving in New York City right that's all he yeah. could ever want it was a really Chef's kiss beautiful we love Bert Hummel. We, we do. We stand. If you want to punch me in the gut, Glee, you just do a Curtin Burt plot, and it works every single yes. time. Yes. Damn it. Uh, anyway. It got us again. Anyway, then we have to go to the Puckerman plot line. Oh, uh, the Puckermans. Because remember the Jews? For no. 
the upshot of this plotline was very sweet. The road they took to get there is maybe the weirdest. And we did just It's a Wonderful Life, Artie. Yeah. Bonkers. First of all, Puck's at school? He just showed up at school. Right. And also, it's winter. It's winter, and he has a motorcycle. It's winter, and he has a motorcycle. It's winter in Ohio. We have to talk about this bullying scene. Okay, yes. So... I actually don't know his brother's name. What's his brother's it's name? It's Jake. 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 Okay. I don't think the guy that wrote this understands how bullying works. <laughs> because the bullies show up behind Jake and they're like, are you going to celebrate Kwanzaa or Hanukkah? Not and it's mutually like, exclusive. That's, yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. And what's bullying? Like, I would just look at them in confusion and one of the one of them says a portmanteau of Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. It's like Kwanzaa. Right. And I was like, <laughs> I don't. Yes, I don't think correct. that qualifies as like. It's right. clear from their tone that they are trying to be hurtful based on his ethnicity and religion, uh, or both ethnicities. It is unclear to me what the. Um, it's unclear the, to me what its relationship, but like. Yeah, like the like Jake's whole. One of Jake's plots is that, you know, he's biracial and that's causing problems for him at school. Right. Yeah. So I guess, and also half Jewish. So this is just, people are like, it's, they're coming up and it's just like pointing at being like, you have differences than us. <laughs> it's but very like, much like. It's yeah, such a they... wild thing to say. I like, I, I was truly just looking at yeah. them in confusion. Like, are, like, that sounds like it, it, that sounds like nothing. So it's, it is nothing. But then when Jake immediately attacks them, uh, Puck shows up to pull them off of him. And Puck says, "My one of my favorite lines in the episode, which is, one Puckerman just ate your lunch. What do you think's going to happen when we unload two barrels of Puck shot into your ugly mugs? <laughs> and I wrote, that actually makes total sense in universe because it definitely sounds like <laughs> it came from a screenwriter. Yeah. Yeah. Puck's been working on his uh his uh his screenplay. They had a high in, LA now. in 2012 say ugly mugs. Like <laughs> I'm just I'm fa- I want it framed. I want to print this quote out and frame it on my wall. Well, maybe Two barrels of puck too. shot into your ugly at, yeah. mugs. At, at the line of puck shot, Zach just went gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that could be taken pretty grossly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty. It's it's. It could certainly be very gross. It also starts with one Puckerman just ate your lunch. I mean, what are we doing here, Glee? Is Puck still like a bad boy? Yes. Or is he like a nineteen fifties gangster? That's what he is. Both. He went to Hollywood and they did Grease back in Lima, and he was like, "I love the vibe of (laughs) Grease. I wish I was a T bird every day." Yeah, he was inspired. Um, and so. He convinces Jake to drive out to L.A. in his sidecar. Imagine. Sorry, I have one more note from that confrontation, which is just the word. What are you looking at? (laughs) Which he yells after that with his He really is like. Listen here, I'll say. Imagine. Imagine. It's winter in Ohio. And your half-brother says, please climb into the sidecar of my motorcycle. A notoriously uncomfortable way to ride in a motorcycle. And for three days, 
drive with me to LA. To LA. Driving right. cross country in a sidecar. Absolutely not. No. It is the kind of thing that not. only a high school sophomore boy would do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I love at one point he's even like, I'm a sophomore. What am I going to do? They do exactly that. They roll up to, they like, they don't even stop by the home, like, wherever we find out that uh, Noah is not living. Mm-hmm. Um, they just go straight from Ohio to the Paramount Pictures lot. Yes. Which I guess makes sense because that's where they film the show. Correct. But, yeah, so they're here to network. Puck immediately says, if you're in Hollywood and you're a Jew or a gay, you got it made. And I went, that? That's what we're going with? Again, yeah. that is a joke yeah. that would have been very funny on Community. Yeah. Community I I mean... has a consistent tone and consistent characterization, and it would have been contextualized within Community's tone to be absurd. And not just offensive. And not I mean, just offensive. Right, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if I agree. And maybe it's just because there has been such a rise of anti-Semitism lately, and I'm like, oh, that's not fun. And it's and it feels very much like, oh yeah, the Jews run shit. So we have a it reason to It does feel that them. way more today than it probably yes. did in 2012. Did in yeah. 2012, correct. Right. Still, so, it's, it, there's, no, there's no excuse for Glee to be doing it right i would no my argument for community would be that community has consistently contextualized its characterization very well uh such that you know anytime that they have a character of a marginalized identity they are a full character right no you're right about that puck is only ever jewish when it is useful to convenient right glee when it's convenient yeah yeah which i guess it is today it is today because we go we we swan dive into the next song, which is the only other Hanukkah song that people know outside of Adam Sandler's Hanukkah mo- harmonica mm-hmm. pick up your Monica song. And the dreidel um, song. And the dreidel song. Right. Um, honestly, I would have much preferred if they did the dreidel song because that would that could have been funny, crazy in a fun way. This was just bonkers. I hate this song because the, their main rhyme is light the menorah, let's all dance the hora. You don't do the hora during Hanukkah. No. No. Not once, not just... never. Throwing no. together a lot of like words that they know are Jewish. They really concepts. said these two Jew words rhyme. So and it's like it's not even like Glee wrote the song. This is just a song that yeah. Exists. This is just a song. Yeah, it trends and on TikTok every. Uh, Glee, every Glee did choose season. it, and Glee it's, did choose it. There's so much about this scene where if you watch it without the sound on, you're like, oh, that's funny, because they're like doing this across movie sets. So you see like yes. nuns running in the background. Yeah. And then, like, a shootout in an old, like, with an old car. A 1950s gangster movie. Yeah, it's a 1950s gangster movie. Like, there's a, that's a backdrop where I'm like, oh, this is, this feels, like, it, this, this feels funny. And it's two guys singing Oh Hanukkah. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, and all of Hollywood is into it, I guess, because Jews. So everyone is dancing to horror by the end of the number. During which they get Star of David tattoos. They do get Star, of David, get tattoos, Star of David tattoos. Which is literally not kosher. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes! I did notice that! I was like, what? I mean, they already weren't going to be able to be buried in uh, a Jewish cemetery because I believe they're both only half Jewish. Which mm. does actually, I believe, have we ever talked about this? I'm pretty sure, way back in season one or two, 
Puck was talking about how, like, it's his mom who's Jewish. That was, that's actually why my right. confusion around, uh, so, around Jake came from. Because it's Jake's mom, well, it's, I mean, it's very possible that Jake's mom is also is Jewish. also Jewish, yeah. Right. But it seems to be a rare thing in Lima. It seems to be yeah. not that, not that common of a thing. And it is passed, like, through the, it's, it's matrilineal. There, well, there are patrilineal sects of Judaism, but, like, the Ashkenazi, like, the sort of most, like, assimilated version is matrilineal, yes. Okay. But it's also very possible that, that, like, um, and that's also depending on, like... Sorry, Karina. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It just depends on, like, how you personally, like, recognize your Judaism. Right. We still are, like, hanging out with Hanukkah in our house, despite the fact that it's from Zach. So, technically, in a lot of ways, like, by technicality... So, yeah, I was, like... I was like, "That's weird." That is weird. That, that uh, are they retconning and saying that it is t- it is the absentee father who provided Judaism? In which case, it's also interesting that both Jake and Puck would have latched on to that Judaism coming from the parent who's not in their lives. I don't know. Right. There's a lot of questions and no answers. The Glee Truly. story. Yes, I think we have to assume that both of their mothers are Jewish for the sake of like. If it's something that's important to them, it probably came from their mothers. Right. Um, and right. I believe Puck has literally explicitly stated that it is yeah. something that came from and, his mother. And I mean, of course, enter one of my favorite people in the world, Aisha Tyler, as mm. as uh, Jake's mom. Um, yes. Oh, yeah, because so, they said, well, let's go back and have dinner with our moms. Okay, Puck's yeah. Like, because my mom hates your mom. Right. Puck was squatting at a pool co- client's house. Yeah. And... They and they, so their plan is like let's just go back home. So they drove out there for three days, spent one day in LA, and are going to spend the next three days driving back to Load make it back again. for Christmas Eve. And I they, did like um. There's some good LA slander there where Puck is like, you can't make any friends because you're spending all your time in your car. Oh, yeah. that's that is one of the best lines in the episode yes. because it's the realist. It feels yes. like right. definitely it was written by somebody who experienced this. Yep. But it's also like it is. It's a moment where Puck gets to be a little bit vulnerable, and he's like, it's it sucks out here. I have no friends. Right. I can't meet anybody because you spend all day in your car. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. And like, there's something to him feeling kind of like a loser in that yeah. regard it's just completely undercut by the rest of this episode yeah. um, yes and so he shouldn't yes. have said he shouldn't have had that heart to heart right after singing oh hanukkah right and it, getting a star of david getting tattoo, a star yeah. of david which tattoo. also jake had to get illegally because he is He's 15 sophomore. yeah yeah so but yeah so they never even make it to his shitty apartment that he talks about that no. he hates um with ikea furniture that's not even set up uh they just go straight back to ohio straight to breadsticks so that Aisha Tyler and I don't remember who plays Noah's mom. I wasn't sure um, if it was like supposed to be someone that we were supposed to know, but we're children. No, it's her name is Gina Hecht and her Wikipedia just says that she's an American actress. Okay. Um, yeah, so they all meet up breadsticks and they all bond over the fact that their dad walked out on all of them. Um, yeah. And so, hooray, we're a family now. We're a messed up family, but we're still a family. So, uh, toast to the holidays um, and to that epic ass that brought us all together. This ending did hit for me, where I was like, it is nice for them to have this bonding moment. We can be a family because he was bad to all of us, but this is our chance to be good to each other. Why'd you sing Oh Hanukkah? Why did you sing Oh Hanukkah? But, like, 
Is there is I mean is there a better option? Should they have sung the Adam Sandler song? I think they should have. Like, I think it could have been okay. So if they were gonna go with like yeah, I hate this. Um, <laughs> if they were really gonna go with the idea based on the line, if you're a gay or a Jew, you've got it made in Hollywood. Like they could have used that as a springboard. That's true. To be like that actually yeah. does relate yeah. much better to Adam Sandler's song be of listing as prominent the top Jews. As you can. Right. Look at all right. of these Jews in the showbiz industry, and it yeah. would have made like it would. I would have hated it because I don't care for the song, and I think there's just clearly anti-Semitic undertones in all of it. But that would have been fine. It would have been a better choice. Whereas choosing Oh Hanukkah feels like they were like, we need them to do something Jewish here, and they just right. penciled in something Jewish here, and then they just like Googled Jewish songs. And Adam Sandler wouldn't give them the rights to his song. They they said what's a Christmas carol but for Jews and and they're like well we have here it is we have the Adam Sandler one and the Oh Hanukkah song which is funny because all your favorite Christmas songs are written by Jews um, mm-hmm. so plotline number four hey remember the apocalypse yeah Ugh. this is the only storyline that had the correct scope for this episode yes. it's very little and we didn't it didn't feel like it rushed any important moments of emotional catharsis. Well, were there any important mo- uh, moments of emotional catharsis? No, that's why it worked. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's because it is fluff through and through, and that's what it. This yeah, one, that's what it is. Which it's fine. because Brittany Brittany watched a documentary about the Mayan calendar that says that the world will end in 2012. Remember um, how many times the world was supposed to end in 2012? I do yeah. want to say off the top, the whole premise of that is based in some othering of indigenous cultures and erasure of the modern Maya peoples. Um, but I think that it works in the context of Glee because Brittany watching one documentary on the History Channel starring real actors portraying real events and believing yeah. that the world is going to end, it actually fully tracks from a character perspective. Yes. And also, like as of this season... She and Sam are a little into the hard right Christianity a little bit, so it doesn't the the plotline doesn't super surprise me. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. It, it tracks. It, it does. Tracks. Sam also be believing the Mayan calendar stuff uh, does also track for me. His whole uh, conspiracy theory speech delivered at like ninety miles an hour. He whacks the table and something behind Brittany falls off the wall. All of that was great. Yes. Extremely funny. Good job, Cordover Street. You really sold it. Yes. Cordover Street's been doing great work this season. Yeah. He's finally. really funny. He's Yes, he he's really great. is. I mean, like, you know me. I kind of wish they had given him some more comeuppance as a member of the Glee Club, the way that we were supposed to get that for Tina being the new Rachel. Sam could have been the new Finn, but no. No, Blaine was always going to be the new Blaine, Finn. Blaine, but, like, yeah. barely Blaine, because they give that shit to, like, a constant battle between Ryder and Jake. They, well, they're... Ryder and Jake are really getting the plot points, and they're just being like, now, Darren Chris, you sing the songs. Right. And right. honestly, he's probably like, fine with me. Right. Um, and so to to prepare for the end of days, uh, they bring Tina, Marley, Ryder, Joe, and Jake together to tell them what they really think. And they just like start by ripping Tina to shreds, justice for Tina. They start off yeah. on Joe, which is basically just him saying, um, or... Teen, uh, which is just Britney saying, I don't know what your deal is. And then they all you just get up. You have made much and, of an impression on me. Right, and then they all just get up and leave. Which, I like... have two points for that. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, good for them. Uh, yes. Yeah, Tina's outfit is great. She's mm-hmm. got 
these she's got these like fingerless gloves she's got a sick black dress she looks awesome uh another favorite line welcome to the first meeting of the 2012 mayan apocalypse club and tina says wait that's what this is and sam says don't worry it's also the last meeting yeah i get like this this bit knew exactly what it was doing just be goofy and weird it's the tiniest like it's it's the only plot line whose scope is like exactly right for this format just tell a nothing story (sighs) and they do exactly that because like everyone leaves and sam and Brittany are like what should we do now? I guess we'll sing Jingle Bell Rock. So they do that. Um, Sam sings Jingle with Bell like, Rock with all the all cheerleaders. All the cheerleaders. It's oddly sexual. It. it is weirdly yeah, sexual. Yeah, all the cheerleaders are dressed as deer. We really only needed half of it. We could have ended right. before the key change. The... Yeah, I don't know why this one got so much. They but did a, uh, we spent your... a long time on Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. It, we could have had, we could have let the Burt prostate, can- uh, prostate cancer <laughs> moment breathe. We could have let the puckerman family moment breathe we could have let there's a moment that's coming that absolutely needed more room to breathe uh and instead we got a key change in jangle bill rock a song yep. that has one verse right a song that yeah. peaked with mean girls and yes like we, we 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 get it we know it um the song is fine. Also, it's all in the library, which is bonkers. <laughs> yeah, not a set we see very often. Right. And every time we do, it's them just being loud and musical in the library. And I always think of you guys because I'm just like, if Karina were running this library, what would you do? I mean, do? a flash mob happening in the library is one of, it's on the list of things I absolutely do not want to interface with on yeah. my day. I, I want an air horn just in case that happens. <laughs> yeah. Okay, loud librarian. Go on, girl. Just chase Librarians- everybody out. Libraries don't have to be quiet, but they do- that doesn't mean they can support flash mobs. Exactly. Sure. Fair. Um, so Brittany, uh, Sam proposes to Brittany, and Beast marries Oh my them. god, oh my god, wait. Okay, he proposes to her by finishing singing Jingle Bell Rock, and his transition is, and here's another rock. Right! Where'd he get the ring? Wasn't he stripping not- for cash last year? There you go, maybe that's what- It should have been a ring pop, it should have been like- It should have been a ring pop, you're right. Yeah. I, like a bonkers choice and i love the hard cut to them just in the locker room with the locker like room. And they're in the boys locker room yeah. coach beast has somehow procured a formal outfit as have they so it's unclear what time yeah, like when time this happens and she's like yeah i got ordained so i can marry you guys i got ordained from the from the mayan church website right is what she says I mean, they say their vows. Brittany's vow to uh, to Cordover Street is when you join Glee Club. I didn't notice. (laughs) (laughs) This is it's just like it's it's exactly what it needed to be. Yep. And then like she's like, and then but you really impressed me when you did. I think it was like a rich little impression. And then you told me that it was a rich little impression. And then you explained for a while who rich little was. It was like. It was all so good. Yeah, really, really excellent. Like, I, I, it, it's writing that works perfectly for Brittany. Yeah, they did an A plus job on that. Um, it was cute that in honor of Christmas they kissed under the mistletoe. Um, yes. But then they wake up four days later and they survived, so the world didn't end. Yep. And they're married. Yes. Moving and on. That's, that's <laughs> it for now. 
Plotline number five. We are in the home stretch, folks. I call um, this plotline Jane Lynch delivers all her lines. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, delivers she words does. Certainly come out of her mouth. Yes. Deliver she, she does. She fulfills the terms of her contract. Um, but I will say to her credit, she she puts it like it's of course it's like Jane Lynch and not Sue Sylvester, of course, because they give her the ability to just enjoy her time. Um but like she gives a good performance here. We start with the faculty secret Santa, um, from which she pulls one Millie Rose. Um, yes. I think there's a moment where she's like, I don't know who that is, and it's like, yeah, it's it's the woman who works in the cafeteria. You know, the one who gets bullied all the time. Um, and I think her daughter's in Glee Club. Beast right. Beast conveys all of this with her mouth absolutely full to bursting with food. Yes. And I'm like, good I, for her. This, I I cannot stand people talking to me with the mouthful of food like sue every time sue complains about it i'm like no sue is right <laughs> but also last time we were here wasn't she also like eating a full chicken yes yeah she that's was the thing that's entire like, i know chicken. but like i feel like also that was a that was with something rascal? we yeah that was something that we spent like a good amount of time on with rascal last time so you yes. can't avoid the full rotisserie yeah, chicken the right. full rotisserie chicken or or no it was actually it was a mouthful of pasta that she had yes. oh yeah she, she, yeah, she was carb loading yeah yeah um so there's a beat where Sue's given Becky a bunch of gifts and she's like throwing them all away because she wants just a hot mo- date or a snowmobile. Yeah. Becky says, epic fail, coach. <laughs> it is 2012. Like, say that. I guess. <laughs> you know, guess how, the, you you know how the youth say things. Yeah. Sue is pondering over what to get Millie because, quote, and this is disgusting, what do you get the woman who's eaten everything? Yeah. This Oof. is this is yeah. the bit the scene that made me title this Sue's, uh, Jane Lynch delivers all her lines because yes. typically Jane Lynch can make any line funny, but these lines she really just says yeah because they, there's they nothing... don't have that same biting like and usually Sue Sylvesterness like to them. Sue being fat phobic is is certainly like a, a consistent character thing for Sue but typically sure. when she says fat phobic things she is saying it to somebody in order to exert her power over them because that mm-hmm. is the kind of person that she is this is just her essentially delivering an inner monologue with Becky in the room that with like six different fat phobic comments in it that don't do anything it's functionally just the show being fat phobic right. like yes. the voice of glee is saying the grossest shit about this woman that I have, well, not that I've heard on television, I've heard a lot of bad things, but it's really, there's nothing good about it. There's nothing, there's nothing about it that serves any character purpose. And uh, it really just feels like Jane Lynch was just put in a room and And given some sides. Yeah. Read this. And she, and she was like, Okay. I have okay. said the lines in my Sue Sylvester voice. I will take my check. Um, and so <laughs> we then cut to Marley and her mother. Um, this wasn't funny, but it did. There is something so... There's something about... Marley, we can't have any presents this year because we have to send you to the eating disorder right. doctor. Oh, this God. Too, this beat, I, this beat I, I entitled... Hey, remember they're poor? Yeah, hey, they're, poor. they're poor. And also, Marley has a very serious condition. Now, this is me being a little bit unfair, because within the context of the episode, it's very, very clear that the intention came across correctly. And these, like, this mother and daughter are clearly very close. They have an important bond. They understand each other. It started with Millie saying, 
we, remember, we can't have presents this year because we need to send you to therapy. Right. And it felt so much like, it's your fault Christmas is canceled. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. For me, it just felt very much like bad writing of like that whole no presents yeah and of because course, we have to give you we have to send you to eating disorder therapy we have to right get no you presents the best and doctor. no tree and like on top of that it also felt like bad writing because they needed to set up marley singing 16 bars of a song yes um which she does just fine she sings the first noel yeah. lovely voice like this clearly was live which is great um and it's the best gift that mom's ever gotten sure sure this also just this is where like the sue sylvester grinch heart begins to grow once again once her again heart resizes her, heart, her heart grows every christmas right um but her what follows is an unhinged monologue <laughs> in which she describes the origins of her tree she was like yeah. did i really need to cut down a five thousand year old some kind of tree just to hang ornaments on it this is the heart and soul of Sue Sylvester. Right. Let her be unhinged. Yes. Like, this outlandish shit that she says is, like, she is at her best when she is chaotic and selfish. And, yes. like, that's that's exactly the kind of thing that she should be saying. It's like, did I really have to cut down this 5,000-year-old tree? Well, I've contacted, uh, I've, I've contacted a man... Who in the can, luxury toothpick yeah, get me right. a contact in the luxury toothpick business it's it's the funniest part of this storyline because well the second funniest part of this storyline because jane lynch was given lines to say that are good and funny and true yeah. to sue sylvester give her the most unhinged shit to say and she will deliver and i think that's why i loved this performance was exactly that leading into um what we see at the end um, but also so, leading into the next thing she does is break into a family's home. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, this was oh my so god. Funny. She reverse pickpockets them, and it's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. Yeah. So they wake up on Christmas morning, and Millie Rose, the mom whom Marley loves, um, yes. she is like frantically being like, <laughs> like Marley, wake up! Something wild happened. And so Marley runs downstairs. This family is poor, but they have a two-story house. They have a very nice, yeah, house. They have a really very nice house. house. Where like ostensibly you would not think this because they just moved to Lima, Ohio, because Millie Rose was bullied at the other school that she worked at formerly. Anyway, <laughs> so they have been left. Um, the sweater that Becky threw away. Which Marley immediately puts on, um, a tree yes. and eight hundred dollars. And Millie says the back door was jimmied open. I was gonna call the police, but then I saw all this. And then they hug, and Marley's like, "Maybe we should still call the police." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like that's very funny. It truly is Sue Sylvester at her best. If she's going to do something nice for somebody, she's going to start with breaking and entering. <laughs> yes, it involves first breaking the back door of this poor family's house Absolutely. they will need to they will need to pay to repair that yes oh my god there man there goes like a good 250 of their 800 dollars um yeah and so then we cut back to pre to breadsticks yes um, this is the section of my notes because i did i did uh by the way title all of these vignettes um we have Artie. Artie's mad at his legs kurt <laughs> in new york city uh jake is biracial and half jewish Brittany and Sam are dumb, Sue and the Secret Santa, and this one's just called Tying Up the Ends. Yeah. Honestly, brava. 
you, those are exactly the correct titles. That's what happens. We've been here for an hour and a half, and you just summed all of that up yeah. in <laughs> 15 seconds. Yep. Uh, so the, the Puckerman moms are getting along. Um, it's sweet. Yeah, it's sweet. This is where is. this is where Jake's like, "Hey, if you're feeling like a loser, there, just come back home. We'll be brothers, and we'll look after our moms." And this wouldn't. I think this would have been much more sweeter if it weren't the actor playing Noah Puckerman. Um, yeah. yeah, which is a bummer. Um, so on the other side, this is where we do get like on the other side of the breadsticks. Yes. Um, Beast breaks it to Brit and Sam that they're not actually married because the Mayans were wiped out 500 years ago by conquistadors and smallpox. Not true. They're Which, still around. Um, I mean, calling them a single a single group of indigenous people is also incorrect because there's a lot of different cultures within there, but also not right. true. They're, they're still around. Right. And then Sam says smallpox is like chickenpox, but smaller. <laughs> That's such a good line. <laughs> but, which is a fantastic line. And so Beast basically explains, yeah, I did this so you wouldn't make the mistake of getting pregnant before 20. Oh, bzzz, she buzzes her, like, she makes the buzz sound out of her own <laughs> mouth. She sees that they're, like, yeah. sad. They're like, wow, but, I missed her being an apocalypse. She doesn't even, like, try. She just, out, her mouth noise. She just goes, bzzz. And looks at, like. Oh, look at that. Uh, I just got a notification. From an a archaeologist doctor. named Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones just discovered a new Mayan calendar. And the apocalypse is not for another two years. Look at that. And they're so excited. There's just these two two dumb guys living yeah. their best it's dumb ready life. for the apocalypse life. Like, this this yeah. is the plot line where it knew exactly what it needed to be for the scope of this episode. Yeah. Right. They did it. Um when we cut back to New York, um <laughs> Blaine and Bert are watching uh basketball. They hate the Celtics, which is rude. They hate the Celtics, which is rude. I assume. I know nothing about the Celtics except they are based in my area. Right. Kurt finally picks up the Vogue magazine that he was yeah. want to yeah. read anyway. After 20 seconds. I did I did like this, too, that, like, they had talked earlier that, that one of, they had, there was a lot of talk about what they, the humble traditions, and one right. of them was Bert watching basketball and Kurt pretending to watch with him. And clearly this had been something that Blaine and Kurt and Bert had all previously experienced before right and so blaine and bert had a bet of yeah. how long Kurt could last which it was is very sweet a cute yeah. thing yeah and then that um, ends with uh oh go on it i just said uh, what i have here is kurt's uncomfortable christmas because yeah. of, because yeah. of what you were about to say well yeah because um blaine is like well if it's okay with you i think i'm gonna apply to niata and kurt's like okay yeah, yeah. i mean I, it's I a think that's a great idea and I think I think it's like it's a good note for uh, for them to hit with this because it's like Kurt's yeah. not sure how he feels, but he like really you know he wants Blaine in his life. He knows that right. and he wants to be like the bigger person right now. But I was just like, oh god, you're in high school or you're not in high school anymore. Sorry, no. you right. were just in high school, and this is also soon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This next bit has my favorite line that Glee's basically ever <laughs> yeah, done. This it is makes the best line in all time. of Glee. Every time Millie Rose goes to Sue to try to return the money and she says, Sue, I just, I have to thank you for what you've done for Marley and me. And Sue goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I had nothing to do with the making of that film. <laughs> she says it immediately. <laughs> it is so funny it's every perfect. time. It's perfect. Everybody Absolutely knew what they incredible. were doing there. 
I they they had the Marley and Me joke in their back pocket for like since the beginning of this yeah, season. Yeah, since surely. they named her and Marley, they, they were like, and they held it out for just the right time, it, giving that to Jane Lynch. It has to be Jane Lynch. It has to be weird circumstances. The whole conceit of this episode was so that Jane Lynch could deliver that line. Right. It was perfectly. perfect. The writers knew what they were doing. Jane Lynch knew what she was doing. And Sue Sylvester knew what she was doing. Yeah. <laughs> check, check, and check. Yeah. Everyone wins here. Funniest, funniest moment in the show. She doesn't even look up from whatever she's writing. And right. she's just, it's so good. Yeah. And then um, Marley's mom tries to return the money. This- they moment needed so much more time to breathe because yeah. Millie says I can't accept this money puts it on the desk there's a long lingering shot of the money leaning on the desk and Sue says look we both know how hard it is to be a single mother and then there's a, a cut to a different like a, a different shot and Sue says so take the money and just hands it mm-hmm. back and there's no and it's like there was clearly more from Sue in the middle there yeah. that they cut for time. If they if they hadn't put the key change into Jingle Bell Rock, maybe we could have heard it. And right. it wouldn't have felt like Millie just did a token gesture of, no, I can't possibly. And Sue just hands it back to her and there's nothing. But Sue clearly mm-hmm. said something to convince her in that moment. And we didn't yes. see it. It's like, right. not good to see it. Please take out half of Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. Yes. Less Jingle Bell Rock, more more Sue, Sue Sylvester, and yeah. More actual human interaction that yeah. matters. That is the point of this episode. That's supposed to be love, actually. Right. Yeah. It's supposed to be the the love part and the being good to each other part. But you put in so much Jingle Bell Rock, we didn't have time it's, for it. It's no so, love, only and actually. undercut right. this really important <laughs> Just moment. So much actually. Um, <laughs> and so. To tie it, to wrap it all up, um, Millie invites Sue to go with her, um, but Sue knows it's going to be the Glee Club uh, singing uh, an elaborate Christmas song with an elaborate Christmas set with the snow falling on them, and then we cut to her being in the audience. Then they the walk into the apartment. That- she goes, "This is exactly what I said." Yeah, this is exactly yeah, what I described. That was good. That was extremely yeah. good. That was so and funny. Marley says, "I I wanted to thank you, so I called Artie." And he got everybody together to do this thing. And Sue sits down saying, well, you don't know me at all if you thought that this was something that I would enjoy. Right. <laughs> Which, like, that's so apropos. Because, Which is true. Yeah, Marley yeah. does not know Sue. No. Um, and, the, like, the only interaction they've had is that Sue cannot, cut, like, bring it herself to insult Marley. Yeah. That, like, the one time she tries yeah. to, she goes, stunningly beautiful brown-haired girl or something. Like, I forget yeah, exactly Everybody loves hat girl. Everyone loves Hat Girl, mm-hmm. and Hat Girl loves her mom. Um, yes. <laughs> that's my favorite running joke of this podcast at this point. Um, and so they sing uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, right? Is that what they sing? Yeah, okay. I think so. Everyone's, and everyone yeah. sings it. And everybody at Breadsticks yeah. sings it, and they sing it in the New York apartment. Yeah, and every and uh, the Glee Club, as it is now, looks like a 2004 monochrome Gap ad. Um, it's very yep. sweet. Um it does justice for Becky controlling the snow. That felt wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it does get to Sue. It is Sue uh, Grinch heart once again growing. And maybe it's just Jane Lynch actually being there and enjoying her time. Maybe. 
I don't know. one shot of Artie specifically that looks like it's supposed to be the wrapping up of his storyline, which is, right. I'm happy, uh, but we don't actually get any internality from him because that would be acknowledging that their disabled character has internality separate from <laughs> the way that he impacts the abled people. So they right. obviously can't don't do that. Ridiculous. Can't do that. Can't have that. Um... Have I brought up the fact before that it sounds like that when Jake sings, he sounds a little bit like Kermit the Frog? You haven't, but I had the same note. And I didn't write that down because I was like, no, Karina's going to bring this up. Yeah. <laughs> Much like Eddie Redmayne um, also yeah. sounds a little bit like Kermit when he sings. So does this. Sorry. I mean, exactly. Exactly. We should all be so. Kermit has a great singing voice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would. Look, I... Kurt, Kermit the Frog is Marius when. Get. Frankly, uh, now, right. please. Yes. So yeah, Jake Puckerman sounds like Kermit when he sings. <laughs> That's where we came from. That's where we yeah. came from, and you're correct. It ends, and it ends with everybody yelling "Merry Christmas" at the at the camera. <laughs> right. That's the at camera. the camera. Yeah. And that's the episode. Glee Christmas episodes, man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it must have been at a time when. Because I remember, I feel like it's around the same time that Psych was on the air and it kind of went off the rails yeah. with its Christmas episodes mm. also. I feel like there must have been some kind of trend in TV where Christmas episodes had to be weirdly spectacles. But I don't think it worked. I think the episode as a whole is a pretty bad episode of television because they just didn't do a very good job with the premise. Yes. And some of the storylines are really gross. Um, and my last note is... I have two bullet points. Bob's Burgers did this same concept in half the time, and they did it so much better. Duh. I Correct. really don't have anything else to say. <laughs> yep. All right. And that's it. I guess, so we barely, the music was such a nothing burger right. in this. Yeah, it's all just Christmas uh, episode, music. But we had to pick it anyway. So you're building your Christmas playlist for your family. And because you either love or hate your family, you're going to put one of these Glee songs on there. Here's your choices. Feliz Navidad. White Christmas, Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, Jingle Bell Rock, The First Noel, or Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Rascal. Oh, you're punting it to me because you're having the same thought that I'm having, which is I don't want any of these. Well, well yes. Well, that's not one of the options. Um, but also I, you're the guest and they right. always go first. I, I guess what I'm struggling with is in terms of successful musicality, Feliz Navidad is, I think, the best to listen to. Yeah. Um, it's also the one that if you work in a place that plays Christmas music on the radio, which I did for many years, uh, you least want to hear ever again yeah. by the end of the season. Um, but I, th I think I'd have to go with it because I don't want to listen to any of the others even more. I don't I don't particularly like Christmas music, you know. The the best Christmas songs are from Bob's Burgers, which frankly if you want more Patreon content then uh talk, discussing all of the songs on Bob's Burgers would be uh tremendously good content. Yeah. Um but the uh like the rest of these songs are very like slow classics that are almost they are almost designed to be background music and yeah. just having to listen to them is not good. Whereas Feliz Navidad is the only one that holds up as a song. See, it is for that reason, Rascal, that I would go with Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas because it can just, 
vibe in the background, just kind of like benignly play. And then no one's thinking, oh, this is a Glee song. They're just going, oh, this is an interesting version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. It's the yeah, you can't clock that as Glee right. necessarily. No, the answer is White Christmas. <laughs> um, I knew that's what you would say. It is. It is. Here's the thing. I think the the best recorded one. Yes. It sounds yes. like it came straight out of a recording. Right. Booth. Here's the thing. That sort of jazzy cover of White Christmas is my preferred cover of White Christmas. Anyway, I don't know who originally does it because no one knows who does Christmas songs. But Darren Chris and Chris Colfer doing it is perfectly yeah. acceptable. And I like Darren Chris's uh, Christmas album already, so it wouldn't seem out of place in my family there you gathering. Go. Well, Rathal, you're a return. You're a yes. returning guest, so you know what comes next. If you have any... We could make it specifically Christmas-themed, yeah. but well, that does require you to think about Christmas so, music. Songs that I am glad they didn't do, and songs that I wish that they had done. Yeah. Yes. Um... Okay, songs. I'll I will do it Christmas themed because I did do this before when it wasn't Christmas themed. Yes. Um. Songs that I wish that they had done. Um. I'm gonna double down and say Bob's Burgers does the best Christmas music. Great. So mm-hmm. in an alternate universe where they would have been able to have. And they would have given it to Kurt, but I think that's not a bad thing because it's right in his range. Uh, the song Twinkly Lights from the Bob's Burgers episode, um, The Bleakening, <laughs> uh, it's sung by Todrick Hall in the episode. Um, it absolutely slaps. It's com- it's a queer anthem, basically, in wrapped in a Christmas uh, episode. And uh, it's kind of, I mean... It definitely, uh, on its own, just holds up as a song really well. But I think it could also be in the alternate universe where Glee gave Kurt a really satisfying, like coming into his own in the queer community storyline. Uh, it would it would slot really well into that. As for songs that I'm glad that they couldn't touch, or at least songs that I'm glad that I cannot hear, um, <laughs> I think that what would be deeply obnoxious to have a whole number dedicated to in the Glee universe because I, I can see the way that they would stage it and they would put way too much pressure on it. Um, I think it's Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. They would take that literally. It wouldn't... Mm. It, yeah. it, they might take it literally, but it also, like, it wouldn't be done as, like, a fun kind of, like, oh, it's the kids goofing off song. It, w- it would be on stage. They'd perform it on stage. It would be Nationals. Like, it would be nationals, and for some reason, funeral, doing yeah. Grandma Governor they'd by a they'd put harmonies in there that have never existed before. Nationals theme this year is Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> we have to do it. We have to do and it. It it's just so happens that Marley's grandmother got Chex notes run over by a reindeer. <laughs> We're so sorry, we to, Marley. We'll change our set list to this day. We weren't going to do this song, but since her grandma just died, we might yep. as well do it to honor right. her. I get there is an alternate universe where it's very funny because they're halfway through it and Brittany comes in and she says, "That's how my grandma died." Right. Um, mm-hmm. and it turns out that Brittany has deeply misunderstood what has happened. Right. Uh, and Heather Morris would be able to play it very funny, but I don't think that's how they would do it. I think it'd be, I think it'd be bad. Well, all of that is to say, one Rascal, thank you so much for being back. We always love having you back yes. as one of our honorary third co-hosts. Um, two. One of these days, I swear to God, we will have you back so that you can talk through your satanic panic uh, Glee plot episode. Yeah. Yes. 
Absolutely. Can, and on the same episode, I will do my Curse 2020 uh, Glee Does Fetch the Bolt Cutters episode. I deeply want to hear about this. I do still completely intend to write the script for the Satanic Panic episode. It's I happen. I have written like half of it, frankly, um, just because sitting down and writing the way that Glee writes is in many ways cathartic because there's so much of it is stuff that I purposely don't do in my writing because I want my writing to be good. Um, <laughs> so it's an excuse to write yeah. that yeah, for fun. And of. honestly, if you finish it, if you want to, we will do a live stream of it. We will cast it with I our will, favorite is, former co-hosts or fa- uh, favorite guests. <laughs> I will I will pass it right to you to do exactly what you will with it because I like I have I have never been a screenwriter and I certainly never would again. But uh, the the options to make fun of Glee in a in a way that is both loving and also deeply not loving is very is very fun. But yeah, we absolutely Yay. need to do an episode where we talk through the episodes that could have been, because I can yeah. think of several more. Yeah. Do, do you want people to locate you on the internet? Yes, uh, people can locate me on the internet uh, at Elevator Lich on Twitter. Um, I am Rascalin at uh, dot, uh, itch.io, uh, where you can play some games that I have made, solo games. Um, I'm elsewhere frankly the important stuff is on twitter it's where i talk about soup but i haven't been active for a while because this entire (laughs) year has been having food poisoning and having covid um my friend james and i just made a sherlock holmes game because there was uh there was a game jam that was based on public domain you can find that on my itch.io um and i forget everything else that i do so just go look at that stuff yeah Sherlock Holmes game was 10 out of 10. Oh man, I have to look that Uh, up. Ian? You can find me at iBroski on Twitter and Instagram. iBrods on TikTok, ianjbrodski.com. What about you, Karina? Oh, you can find me on the same handle on both Twitter and TikTok, and that is Epic Adventure of. The show is at Glee Aggressive, gleeaggressive at gmail.com, with your long-form thoughts and feelings. Um, Hashtag Glee Aggressive, I guess. Um, What should they write in about this week, Karina? Okay. Tell us which Muppet should be the phantom of the opera <laughs> yes oh my god i feel like they've done that before right have i'm they sure they have and i think it's kermit it was probably kermit. so no kermit would be um raul yeah raul wouldn't he i don't know None i mean the... here's the thing when you're when your titular muppet and your titular main character is a if your titular muppet's kermit and he's a good dude but the main character of your musical is the phantom and he's a bad dude what yeah. do you do there right like none of the muppets are incels <laughs> Not yet. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. There's also an argument that Gonzo might be as a little bit of an incel. Oh no! I don't think so. He's got all those chickens. He does have all those chickens. So, yep, that was well. Thanks for joining us ostensibly to talk about this episode of Glee. Uh, jury's still out, I guess. Um, <laughs> You can join us next week when we'll be discussing season four, episode 11, entitled Sadie Hawkins, Mm. an episode I remember absolutely nothing about. So this will be a journey (laughs) for both of us, Ian. Um, Which does lead me to ask, does this episode of Glee make you want to watch that next one? No. No. You know what? Same. (laughs) Glee. Aggressive. Glee. Glee. Aggressive. Glee. Aggressive. Glee. Glee. Aggressive.